My name is Olivia Barr, and this is my story. I remember sitting in the sanctuary about four years ago and hearing about the recent mission trips to Haiti. I felt as if God was calling me to go, but life just seemed to get in the way when it came to signing up for a trip. Earlier this year, I heard that a mission trip was being put together to leave at the end of May. I saw a window of opportunity and felt a longing to go down and help out with the kids in Haiti. My mom and I signed up and had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. While preparing for the trip, my mom and I quickly realized that we were the odd ones out, being that we were not veteran Haiti travelers. I found myself often asking, so what will we actually be doing while in Haiti? The experienced people in our group just replied, you'll find out when we get there. So clueless and ready to serve, my mom and I started our adventure. Upon arriving at 5 a.m. at the Kansas City Airport, we found out that we would be getting to Haiti a day later than planned. We spent 10 hours at KCI and at night in Atlanta with fellow Lakelanders. I knew that this trip would be a learning experience, but I did not realize how quickly I would learn what it meant to lean in and allow God to make all of my plans. After finally arriving in Haiti, I was welcomed by a familiar Jamie Davis hug in a very unfamiliar place. This was a whole new world to me, and I was unsure of what God had in store. On the first night, we visited Source, the children's orphanage that neighbored the hotel we stayed in. I was told we were not allowed to take anything with us, no water bottles, no soccer balls, nothing. My mind began to race with questions of, how do I connect with kids whose language I do not understand? What will we do since we don't have anything to play with them? When we got to Source, my head was filled with concerns and just wanting to do the best thing for the kids. The bus doors opened, and my hand was snatched by a boy whose name was Winston. We sat together, and he asked me what my name was, how old I was, and if I had brothers and sisters. A weight was lifted from my shoulders, knowing that I had made a friend so soon into my journey. Later, he introduced me to his friend, Meji. Shortly, I became a human jungle gym, and she was the one in charge. I would be commanded to carry her wherever she pleased and do whatever she liked. One of her favorite things to do was just sit with me. We often found a shady step and sat for quite a while. The feeling of being able to give a child something as simple as being held and having it mean so much to them is very special. Meji demonstrated what pure joy looks like. I saw joy when she laughed, when she did my hair, and when she played with me. One day, she pointed out that we had matching dimples when we smiled. This brought me joy. Who would have known that an eight-year-old girl who lived in a world entirely different from mine could change my life so much? On Sunday, we went to a three-hour church service. The entire thing was in Creole, but this only added to the beauty of it. After sitting down at the front of the church, Pastor Casnell informed us that it was Mother's Day in Haiti, which was very sweet to be spending with my mom. God had a wonderful surprise for us that morning. My mom, Zandy, is involved in the Milestones program at Lakeland. On that steamy hot morning, Pastor Kesnell conducted a baby dedication. This was a very special moment for my mom and me. We watched Pastor Kesnell bless the babies just as my mom does at home over my own family. I started to cry out of overwhelming happiness, and I felt that this was just where God wanted me to be. When it was time for the church to come forward and give their donations, I felt a strong sense of hope. Nearly every member of the church got up to give what they had. In a country where the people live in poverty and have hardly anything for themselves, they are still willing to give back to God. This demonstrated to me that I need to be more dependent on God to take care of me, even when it's the most difficult. 
Since being back, I feel as if I have a stronger knowledge of who I am. My trip guided me towards a closer walk with God, and I feel that I rely on him so much more in my day-to-day life. Every day, I think of Meji and all the wonderful kids I met. I can't wait to go back and see them soon. I hope to someday be one of the veterans who can tell the newbies, you'll figure it out when you get there. My name is Olivia Barr, and this is my story. Well, good morning, everyone. That's just another example of how when you step out of your door, step out of your neighborhood, um, outside where you're comfortable, it leaves places where God can do amazing things. So uh, I'm here with Nancy Nichols. Nancy's a good friend of mine. She comes over to my house. We watch movies. So, um, and uh, she's also been, she was on that Haiti trip. So I was hoping you could tell us um, from your perspective, what is... Um, going on for the Lakelanders and, and the people who get involved in that ministry and take that trip to Haiti. Okay. Like Garrett said, I was also on that trip in May, and it, it's been my fourth trip, but it was very exciting to be able to see one of the new kids' villages, uh, La Tremblay. They had been in a very small, closed-in area, and so to be able to go and see their new home, um, they have finished the the dorms for the girls, and um, and they're currently working on finishing dorms for the boys. There's 38 kids there in that village, and um, through what we do in a roundabout way, it's enabling them to build and expand and hopefully be able to bring more kids into the village. That's wonderful. Well, what are some uh, opportunities for uh, folks here to get involved in this that are coming up? Um, for the fearless end, that what we do for Haiti is to provide scholarships for our youth to be able to take these trips. Um, not everybody is called to go, but as a community, with what we do for fearless and what we give, it enables others who have that calling to be able to do it. You know, if somebody's not able to raise all of the funds themselves, and that's what the scholarships do, is to help our youth be able to take these, these trips and, and see God alive in Haiti. Um, it's a sense of community, and when we're there, and after we've spent the day in the villages, to be able to come back as Lakeland and as a church or a team and hear where God has touched each person or where we saw God that day, um, to be able to go to their villages and see the mamas and the pastors taking on these kids and making them their own. The kids love us unconditionally, and isn't that what God's all about? To know that we can share that love with them, as Olivia said, by holding them in our arms. And again, being God for them, God through us for them. Yeah. And then to be a part of the worship. Yeah. Um, to see the people just give everything they have in praise. In praise for what little we say, what little they have. And they are just blessed beyond measure. Yeah. Thank you for representing us so well, representing the church so well. Thanks for going and sharing that story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So a couple of times, Nancy mentioned fearless. Fearless is a financial challenge that we're doing. And part of what it does do, as she said, is next year when we emphasize go and going, 
um, we will develop some scholarships for some of our youth to go have an experience like Olivia had. Fearless also has some funds set aside directly for things that the churches and the organizations that work directly in Haiti, if they have needs and need uh, some direct relief or assistance, we have some funds from Fearless set aside for that also. So uh, I just talked with a consultant on our financial challenge this week. Now, this is, I don't think, ever happened for any of our financial challenges. We are just about at the halfway point. So 42% of the weeks of Fearless have, have gone by, and we have collected... 42% of the pledges. So that is a, yeah, everyone should applaud for that. that. It's normal to have a little lag, and, and this, this one just doesn't. Again, it's been our best performing financial challenge. So uh, bless you for your generosity. There have also been a number of people who have given without a pledge. They just want to support the ministries that have happened. So $12,000 has been um, given to Fearless by folks who aren't on a regular pledge. They just gave generous gifts along the way here and there. So uh, I would like to thank those folks uh, who did that. And um, so uh, these are important things, important work that we're doing, a chance to, these are the types of things Jesus said to do. And Fearless provides us the opportunity to do that. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful we get to do this together. And it's going very, very well. So I, I hope you hear in the stories um, what uh, you hoped when you made that pledge or gave that, gave that gift. Well, we come here on a week. And uh, when, you know, politicians are already putting the ads on, I'm already getting the phone calls. Like, oh, my word, this is going to be a long election year, isn't it? And so uh, already making promises to defend and preserve our way of life and give us the changes that we need and make all our dreams come true. <sighs> okay, and then we got corporations, right? And with just a few products and services, they're going to make us happy and healthy. So bye, bye, bye. So everyone's making us a ton of promises to make our life better uh, this morning. And yet uh, you all chose to come here to the Church of Jesus Christ. I wonder if you didn't make that decision because you knew the words of Psalm 146. Um, if you don't, let us, let us pray these words together. Alleluia, my soul gives praise to the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. Sing praise to my God while I live. Put no trust in princes and mortal man who cannot save. Take their breath and they return to the earth and their plans that day come to nothing. Blessed is he who is helped by Jacob's God, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heavens and the earth, the seas and all they contain, who preserves fidelity forever, who does justice to those who are oppressed. It is he who gives bread to the hungry, the Lord who sets prisoners free, the Lord who opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord who raises up those who are bowed down. It is the Lord who loves the just, the Lord who protects the stranger, upholds the orphan and the widow, but thwarts the path of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever, the God of Zion from age to age. Hallelujah and amen. If you believe these words this morning, let us stand together and worship this God whose promises are true, who brings us everything he said he would bring us. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, 
You are our creator, our hope, our redeemer, our restorer. Today we humbly bring our hearts into your presence and we remember that your heart is for the least of these, the forgotten, the overlooked, and the misjudged. We remember that you came to give first place to the last, those left behind, misunderstood, and undervalued by the world. You came to rescue the lost, the orphaned, the abandoned, the destitute. Help us to be your ears to listen to their cries, your voice speaking out for love, justice, and mercy, your feet walking beside those in need, and your hands to clothe, feed, and shelter. Today we remember our brothers and sisters in Haiti, and we lift up these prayers before you for the children, those who are lost, alone, hungry, and sick. Father, you are their champions. Lead us to champion them as well. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For the family, for mothers, fathers, and family members who desperately desire to care for their children but are held captive by oppression and poverty beyond their control, Father, use us to break those bonds so that families will be strengthened and made whole. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For pastors, community, house mamas, educators, social workers, and all those on the ground who work tirelessly in your name to care for your children, strengthen their resolve, fill their hearts, protect their families, and bless the work of their hands. Father, may we not forget their sacrifice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For the political leaders and government in Haiti, in this election year, we pray that you bring forward leaders with a heart for your people, protect the process from corruption and greed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, may the things that break your heart break ours. And in that breaking, may our hearts be restored. We ask all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have a seat for just a moment. Now comes the part of our service where we are invited to a table which Jesus has prepared for us. So if our servers want to come forward and prepare that. Lord's table reminds us of the night when Jesus was betrayed, when he took a bread and he broke it, and he said, this is like my body that's broken for you. And then he took a cup and he said, this cup is my blood. It's poured out 
for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember my death until I eat and drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. This means a lot of different things, but one of the things that it means is that we're only here as people forgiven by God. Uh, I am no better than anyone else. It means you've never met a person that God didn't love. You may have met someone who didn't know about God's love and forgiveness, and in their hopelessness, they were pursuing wicked things, but all God wanted you to do in that interaction was to be a sign of what his forgiveness can do and extend that hope and love. So here's a moment when we come down and we tear off a piece of bread because this is the, the bread that's brought us home to God. And we dip it in the chalice because he provided us the forgiveness. And we take it into ourselves and we receive it as a free gift. It is nothing that we earned. We don't deserve it any more than anyone else we've ever met, but also no less. It's a gift God wants to give us, and so we, we receive it. So if you'd like to participate in that, you'll come down, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, receive it into yourself. And then we go down the side aisles, and we come back, and we continue in worship. If you don't feel comfortable doing this for a variety of reasons, no one's here to judge anyone. There's all sorts of good reasons why you might not. But think about what it would mean if you could be a part of that story. Well, let's stand together and we'll pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Someone asked him, how should we pray? He said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We are grateful this morning to all the technicians and musicians and folks who led us in prayers and worship. I think it's been a good morning. Uh, when my daughter was on swim team, even though I know nothing about swimming, in fact, I even once cheered the wrong kid across the finish line. He looked the same once they get in the pool and put the little hat thing on. <laughs> Out she came. Oh, you're not mine. Um, <laughs> But uh, they made me be the announcer, right? I'm on the mic. I know nothing about it, but I'm telling you who's swimming next. You'd think I would have known which one was mine. Uh, when my son was in soccer, uh, we had to volunteer to bring snacks and water to one of the games. And I got off easy. There was one of the dads who had to help with uh, practice drills at every single practice. So his fault for being born in Brazil, I suppose. Um, at Christmas dinner... My duties include either leading card games and board games or doing the dishes. Those are all my uh, skills of use at Christmas dinner. 
At some restaurants you go to, you have to bust your own table. So there isn't anywhere you can't go, or I'm sorry, there isn't anywhere you can go on the planet that there isn't something you can do. Something you can do to add the ex- to the experience to make it better for everyone. And church is absolutely no different. This morning, while we're worshiping, it will take a hundred different people to make all the ministry that's happening here on this corner of the community happen. Now, nine of them are full-time staff, and at different times of the year, seven of them are part-time. So those folks are paid to be here. But the other 80 or 90 people are volunteers who showed up just like you. And then once we leave Sunday, we'll go into the week. Still others will lead small groups. They will attend rehearsals. They will work on the building. They will do uh, landscaping. They'll do graphic design work. All these things happen through the week. This place is a hotbed of volunteerism. And yet every leader in the church is saying the same thing to me this week. There's so much to do. We need more people. At Lakeland, about 63% of folks who come here regularly serve once a month or more in some capacity. That means that about 37% of folks who come here regularly aren't involved very often. Now, around here, we know that for those folks who aren't involved, there are some real barriers Some of them are still too new. I know some folks, uh, some friends here for the first time this morning that they're welcome to jump in, but most people I think would feel not ready to sign up for something once a month on their first visit. So sometimes it takes a little time to decide, is this my church home? Do I believe in what's going on here? Um, For others of those uninvolved folks, they're in a season where their health is very poor. Um, They... Coming and worshiping is something they really want to do. The rest, they just may not have the physical or mental strength for right now. Uh, Some folks are healing from some emotional hurt that happened in church somewhere, and they're just not sure they trust this church community yet. Still others are in an intense season of traveling for their work. They're only in town two days out of every week or two. Showing up to serve is probably not going to make the calendar in this season. However, for many others, they just, aren't, they just aren't involved. They could be, but they aren't. Now, I used to think those folks were probably scared. I thought, I don't think they can do it. They need some encouragement. But I really started looking around the congregation this spring. And I don't think that's true very often here. A big, big bunch of you guys have diplomas and degrees and advanced degrees. You have taken the bull by the horns and entered into the unknown many times in your life. I watch a lot of you coaching sports. You barely know how to play yourselves. You're running concession stands, though you know nothing about food service. You can put on a tournament. You can travel kids all over the country. Vans and vans, loads of kids to this tournament or that, even though you're not a travel agent. You people have skills. 
There is not a lot that really intimidates you. When your house is broken, your yard's a wreck, you know how to trench it, where to patch it, where to till it, where to aerate it. You show up at Home Depot, you are not confused by eight different types of caulk. You know the difference between silicone and latex and self-leveling. And when you're fixing the drippy faucet, you always install a shutoff valve while you're underneath there. I don't think there's much this church has to offer that really intimidates you. The truth is, I think, is that it's just easier not to. I know from family gatherings, it's just easier when someone says, okay, it's time to set the table to just kind of go on like you didn't hear that. When someone has the birthday party, you know, and they've rented the big bouncy house, like, okay, all the grown-ups need to take a turn to make sure the bouncy house is safe. It's, it's easier to kind of stay in the conversation you're in and mm-hmm, let someone else do that. It's easier when someone says, okay, who's going to lead us in happy birthday to just, you know, wait for that over-enthusiastic artsy-fartsy person to go first. (laughs) It's also easier to come to God's house and pray and sing to him and, and hear his word and then just leave. I don't think anyone hates anybody. I don't think anyone thinks they're too good. I don't think anyone's trying to be mean. I think it's just the path of least resistance. I remember Lakeland when the church met in a movie theater. I don't know how many of you remember the movie theater days. Oh, still some energy left. Well done. Okay, quite a Yeah, well, you see these black crates that are meant to obscure some messes that we have left. Um, Those black crates are relics from the theater days. The whole church used to fit in those black boxes and it would be rolled onto a trailer and hauled away. So back then we had stage like this, not quite so much of it, but we had it. And there was lights and there was sound equipment and there was musical instruments and and there was kids' toys and all this stuff went into these black crates. And we had to be out before the movie started. People would come in and eat their popcorn and watch us (laughs) do this, right? And uh, there was about 15 or 20 guys and gals could tear all this stuff down and get it off that site in 30 minutes on a Sunday. Now, if we only had 10 show up, it would take an hour So just five less people would take twice as long because everyone's contribution was exponentially important. So that on Father's Day, when everyone would kind of start bailing as soon as church was over, every person that left was sticking every person that stayed behind with 20 more minutes. Every person that left, the time it was going to take went exponentially up because everyone's contribution was exponentially important so that on Father's Day, by the time we got down to just three or four people, it would take two and a half to three hours to put all that stuff away. I never had lunch with my dad on Father's Day in the theater days. Now, the truth is, had everyone stayed just like it was a normal Sunday, we could have had everyone out to lunch on time. Now, no one who was dashing off meant for there to end up being three people who would be there until 2.30 in the afternoon on Father's Day. But that is what the path of least resistance would lead to. Now, a lot has changed about the church since the theater days. No one is really afraid that a mouse may jump out and run up your leg like we were back then. We learned that theaters, you know, there's popcorn all over the floor. 
And, and, and the creatures have learned that when it's quiet, when the movie stops, then it's safe to come out and eat it. And church sometimes has quiet parts. And <laughs> okay, so uh, there they were. Um, but, so that's changed, that's changed. But uh, it's not changed that everyone's um, contribution is exponentially important. This morning, uh, some of you could be part of the miracle of what God is doing. Now, I'm not talking about a ton of people either. I think about, it would take about 25 people to really make a miracle because everyone's contribution is exponentially important at this stage. So, now you're being invited into ministry. You are not being invited into torture. You're not being invited to something horrible. Our fears get the better of us. So this morning, we're going to play a little game we call Ministry Mythbusters. So there's a series of ministry myths that get started that keep us from getting involved, and we're going to bust those right here. So here we go. The first ministry myth. You're not being asked to be part of anything that God hasn't gifted you for already. If you read the New Testament, about four times you're going to find verses like these. I chose Romans 12, where it says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So as if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I think Paul was brilliant in this. I love the way he goes back and forth between really supernatural, flashy gifts and really everyday gifts of kindness. I like the way he does stand up in front of everybody and, you know, be in public gifts and things that are really behind the scenes. I think he was brilliant as he put that list of, of, of spiritual gifts together. So what is your spiritual gift? Uh, if that's your question, that question is printed in the program today. And after that question, you will find a way to go on the church website. And there's actually a quiz that you can take that asks you about things that have happened in your life and in church. And it will help you begin to identify what your spiritual gifts might be. And once you have the list, if you want to go a step further, we have a pastor of community life, Marta, who loves, her favorite part, is to sit down with folks and look at their spiritual gifts. And, and whatever list you come to her with, she'll have one, two, three different ways that you can put that to use in the church in a way that you'll feel like, I'm making a contribution and something that it kind of feels like I was born to do. She loves to do that. So check that out if you'd like. Um, no one is going to be saddled with something you hate and something that you're no good at. All right, next ministry myth we're going to bust is you're not going to be stitched up for something every week. So our church puts a tremendous number of resources into our staff. Um, we have a lot of staff, it, 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 and, but most of the reason we have that and the primary role of our staff is to take all this ministry and break it up and organize it so that people can make an important contribution about once or twice a month to make that happen. And so that's what we have done. Um, now, there are some people you'll run into who have volunteered to do it twice a month, even every week, just because they love it so much. And, uh, but that was, that was what their choice was. We just are looking, asking for folks, try it once or twice a month. 
Now, it is true. There are some folks serving this morning who are serving twice a month, and they really would rather just do it once a month. But they're doing that because the team is too small and there is a need. So if you came alongside them, then you could just do it once a month, and and they could just do it once a month. And so both of you would have just what you wanted. Do you see how God could use you to bring a breath of fresh air into the church this morning? Third ministry myth, you'll never have to miss church. You don't have to choose between serving and worshiping. So you can look around and clearly see that this sanctuary could hold our entire congregation in one service. So we don't have two services because we needed it for space. We have two services because we don't want folks to have to choose between serving and worshiping. Um, between giving and and receiving something from God. So we've come up with this serve one, attend one. We're trying to create this family, share the burden, philosophy feel. So here's how it works, what's going on right now. While we're all here uh, doing what we're doing, some folks are serving your kids. They are at the doors welcoming folks that you may have invited. They are serving us coffee. And then they were here first service, worshiping when they hope that we would then during that time be serving their kids and welcoming their friends that they invited and serving coffee to them. So uh, that is how serve one, attend one works. Now, some of you who are very good at math have already figured out, if I serve one and attend one, I will be at church for three and a half hours. True story. But I want to remind you that nothing in life worth doing takes any less than three and a half hours. When my kids are in those swim meets, and they happen more than once a month, those things take three and a half hours. That's a short one. Uh, Watching a Royals game, which happens many more times than once a month, takes three and a half hours. When my wife and I dial up a movie on Netflix, the description says it's going to last 90 minutes. But, By the time we have hit pause 50 times for everyone to go to the restroom, answer a text, make another snack, let the kid walk through the room in case a naughty word pops up, um, that 90-minute movie has now taken us, every time, three and a half hours to watch. Nothing in life worth doing takes three and a half hours, any, any less than three and a half hours. And we're only talking once a month, not every week. Uh, And our kids program, can kids be up in that thing for two services? Our kids program has snacks, it has games, it has a lot of activity and energy. It is built so that the kids who are here for two services don't have to do the same thing twice. Although we all know that really wouldn't matter because kids always watch the same movie twice, play the same game twice. Uh, You know, kids, if they had bumper stickers, they'd already do it again. But we don't make them do it again. Teenagers are invited to worship with us and then serve one also. There's all sorts of ways for teens to be involved. They can serve with, alongside their own age group. Outside, we encourage teens to sit here in the sanctuary all together. So uh, everyone, uh, there, there are dozens and dozens of folks doing this already, and they're doing just fine. It's totally doable. Don't, don't psych yourself out over that one. Last ministry myth, you are not signed in blood. 
right? This is not the Death Star where if you get caught in the tractor beam, you're going to be pulled in and you'll never get out. All right, it's not like that. Whatever you, whatever you do, you're not doing it forever. If you get stale, if you get bored, if you get tired, if you find out you really don't like it, if you find out you have different spiritual gifts or something you'd rather do, our staff are trained to let everyone rotate off and find some other place to make a contribution. So we don't trade in guilt. Uh, We trade in vision. We trade in the power of God working through his people. That's what we have to offer. So, you know how this is going to go, right? Um, You'll start out, you're like, okay, I just want to pitch in. I just want to make a contribution. You know, seems like the right thing to do. So you become a volunteer barista at the coffee bar, and you pick the second Sunday of the month. Or you agree to be the assistant to the boy's fifth grade leader. You don't want to be the leader, but you'll assist the leader. And since you end up liking the kids, you'll go ahead and do it twice a month. Or you're looking around this morning and you're like, has anybody noticed there's been a nine volt battery laying up here the whole service? And there's a weird stack of papers there. And why was the music guy running around moving microphones and chairs? Like, shouldn't he be praying, getting ready to lead us? He's like moving furniture. So I could do all that. I could do that. So you become a tech assistant. You're just pitching in, right? It's no biggie. And then uh, you start making friends, right? The tech assistant's moving furniture around, helping the pastor with whatever weird thing we want brought up here while we preach. But then they overhear the person at the soundboard talking about playing strategy board games. And they're like, I like strategy board games. So they wander over and start talking. You know, you're there during the art station. So once the art leader takes over, the fifth grade boys leader and the assistant can just chat a little bit. They're talking about some difficulties they're having through the week. I don't know what with any kind of difficulties, but some great advice gets shared between them. Or there you are serving in the coffee bar and uh, somebody comes along you haven't seen in a while. You say, oh, I haven't seen you for a while. They say, well, thank you for noticing. I've been undergoing cancer treatment. And you can offer them some encouragement because you're a cancer survivor too or your mom was or, or whatever. And then one day you'll be there when the miracle happens. That person comes back to the coffee bar. They're buying something extra special. There's a little extra spring in their step. And they tell you, I've got a clean bill of health. I'm in remission. And you can celebrate with them. Who knew that was going to happen at the coffee bar? One of the kids from your fifth grade class here at the church calls you because they're in seventh grade now. And they'd like you to stand beside them while they're being confirmed out at the beach. Because they remember every other week for those years that you were there beside, gently guiding them toward faith. So you come on Sunday morning to be a tech assistant, to clear the stage, to move some furniture, to straighten up the place a little bit. And then you kind of wander over to the soundboard, and you and the sound and the light guy relive again your conquest and dominion, or the settlers of Catan. And those are games. (sighs) And you realize, I have a friend. How'd that happen? This is the real reason we're pushing gathering so hard this year. We believe with all our heart when the people of God gather to do His work, He comes among us and we see miracles. It is undoubtedly easier just to slip away 
But you may be slipping out and missing the very thing that you slipped in for. The chance to see God at work. So this morning, and for several mornings to come, we want to share with you some different opportunities of ways that you could be involved in the ministry of the church. So this morning, we're going to highlight some that have to do with hospitality. So if you have gifts along those lines, you may feel a call to become involved in these things. If you don't, keep coming back. We'll just keep showing different aspects of the church where you can be involved. But as you watch these, watch them with an attitude of prayer and openness to say, uh, Lord, are you maybe calling me to get involved in this way? So let's watch these together. Hi, everyone. So I used to think hospitality was about being this perfect Martha Stewart, you know, display and, and showing hospitality in your homes. But as I learned a more theological and mission critical view of hospitality, I, I, st- I began to understand that it's really that everyone's looking for a home. Everyone's looking for a place to belong. And if you could ever relate to that thought or be worried about coming to church, um, then you can relate to how someone would want to feel welcomed in a, in a normal way. <laughs> Not overwhelming way, but in a nice and friend, friendly way. One of the things that, um, stories that I heard from uh, Lakelander, said, she said she was a little apprehensive coming to church. And the first thing she saw were people in chief's gear. I think it was a chief's, um, I think they were wearing chief's pajamas at the door. And she was just like, oh, I can belong here. And, and the, the difficult thing is, is that there are so many different things that people are looking for at a church. But what they're really looking for is to step onto the path of spiritual greatness. So nobody becomes Olivia Barr overnight, right? Um, we all have to take a step into church. And sometimes that's the hardest step to take. So... I'm super passionate about this area. I also happen to think that it's the easiest way to step into community and a place to serve because it, does, it doesn't require any great skills. Maybe I'm saying that because I don't have any great skills and Crystal hasn't let me sing on stage. But <laughs> it does require you to be friendly. So if you can do that, it requires you to show up and be available. So I think that it is a place for all of us that we can make um, everybody feel like they belong and that they are welcome here at Lakeland, no matter where they are in the journey. So if you're interested, um, sign up. You can just sign that you're interested by circling one of the areas. Oh, by the way, if it hasn't been mentioned, nobody's getting rich on any of these areas. Even though the coffee's paid for, is run by all volunteers. It's led by volunteers. So I know a lot of people have a misconception about that as well. These people work super hard to make everything work around here. So um, greeters and ushers and then the welcome kiosks. So if, uh, Scott Patton's going to be over here for greeters and ushers. Ashley, I think, is going to talk to some people as she works at the coffee bar at the end. <laughs> Melissa said, just talk to Ashley. She had to run out. And um, Kelly Johnston will be at the kiosk if you have any questions. You can turn it in there if you don't have time and you need to beg out. And um, I'll be around to answer any questions. I, uh, I had a friend come once, and somehow he got the idea, like, if he had tattoos, that wasn't very Christian or something. So he's really afraid to come to church because, you know, he had, he had some ink going. So he, he got to the door, and he's all like this, you know. And then the, the person tries to hand him the program, and he's so afraid to stretch out his arm, you know, because they'd see. And he, he comes up, he goes, the greeter just looked me in the face and smiled and said, welcome, like they really meant it. Like, I'm sold. This place is great. That's the first seven seconds, just like they said. 
You just don't know how simple of an act of kindness and just treating someone like a human, how far that goes. The opportunities that we have to do what God would do. Just say welcome. So I uh, look forward to that. Well, I want to uh, give you a blessing. If you wouldn't mind, we'll stand together. Uh, this is a very old blessing from the Old Testament. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace.